You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him. It's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. All right, what's up, guys and gals? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. I know some people just got a notification on Twitter and YouTube that we went live and they're going, what is this redneck up to on a Sunday during playoff season, right? So uh, what we've got today, guys, is we're going to do a little bit of a, a Packer free agency uh, evaluation, if you will, uh, just a little exercise that Justin and I are going to hop on here and do and talk about the uh, the pending free agents that were on the Packers roster last year, kind of talk about, hey, who would be worth keeping, who would you might want to let test free agency, that type of thing. But I just want to say uh, thanks for your time today, Justin. And, and for those of you listening on the pod, if you can't see the screen here, obviously, you can find him on Twitter at JYoungPackerNet on Twitter. And then uh, he's also a part of the uh, PackerNet Fantasy Podcast. Justin, man, what's going on? I know you're playing Super Dad over there today. How you doing, bro? <laughs> Every day, man. Uh, hey, how about that intro? That new intro is pretty pumping. I listen to it what every other day when you when you drop a pod, but when when you watch it here live and you got the video, it's extra pumping. <laughs> hey, I, I love appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, what we try to do, man. Uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of podcasts I listen to, and and I'm just like, man, just get through the intro already. I want to get to the pod, and I want to keep things fresh. And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, man, every time I hear it, I'm like, dude, that's pretty, that's pretty sweet. You know, you, you want to relive those moments because we know there were few and far between last year with the Packers having a down year. Um, right. But uh, it is what it is. Right. So let's dude, let's just jump into it, man. Let's try to uh, want to try to limit this pod to less than an hour. Hopefully uh, we can do that. I always say that when we go over about 10 minutes, but I haven't had any complaints. So we'll just uh, we'll see what we can do. But let's start off on offense, man. Um, impending free agents, right? These are the, the guys that were on the roster last year that, as of right now, they do not have contracts. Obviously, the Packers are going to try to button that up, and we're kind of in that period right now, Justin, where um, – and, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance. I'm going to call you Jacob 30 times during this pod, okay? <laughs> 
because I'm just so used to working with Jacob. But, um, you know, going into this offseason, one of the things that's hurt me, and we're already going to go on a rant here, I'm going to try not to, <laughs> is everyone acts like Aaron Rodgers has to make his decision right now, and if he don't, then he's hindering the team, blah, blah, blah. But in, in a realistic manner, what's going on, is Goody and his staff have two different scenarios, with Aaron Rodgers, without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's a chance he could be traded. I think it's a slim chance, but there's definitely a chance he could be traded. There's also a chance he retires, right? There, I think there's zero chance he gets cut. We would all agree with that. <laughs> but what, what Goody has done, I guarantee you, is he's looked at both scenarios and said, okay, here's the plan if Rodgers comes back. Here's the plan if Rodgers returns. So we're going to kind of – just give a, a very uh, generic, I guess you could say, a general uh, assessment of the roster and say, all right, here's what we think could happen. Not here's what I want to happen, but here are the options. That's the goal, basically. So let's just get into it. On offense, the wide receiver position, you got Alan Lazard and you got Randall Cobb. So those two guys obviously played a pretty big role last year. You know, whether you think they were effective or not, hey, man, that's, that's your opinion. But I mean, they they both seen significant snaps. Obviously, Lazard more than Cobb. I think we would all agree that Lazard's a better blocker than Cobb. Although Cobb did show a, a couple of a couple of snaps there where he threw blocks, especially on wide receiver flats in the short passing game, things like that. But Alan Lazard's PFF grade ended up being a sixty nine point zero. Really, that's kind of on par with where he's been his entire career. I think some of us, I know myself included, were hoping and kind of somewhat expecting him to take a step forward. Uh, you know, uh, receiving some of those touches, those looks that Devontae Adams did last year. Um, but he just kind of finished where he always does, you know, 69.0. Alan Lazar, Justin, according to Spotrack, is saying that he has a market value of 11.1 million annually average. Okay, so basically, you know, the easiest way to look at this is saying he's worth 11.1 cap hit starting next year. How do you feel about Alan Lazard? And again, this this podcast isn't designed for us to bash players and say, oh, they need to cut him, they need to let him go. Like, What do you see playing out there? Because I, I definitely, from my perspective, Alan Lazard, and, and I'm going to kind of give my final assessment at the end, for the right price, I want all these guys back, but for the right price, because we know what the cap situation is. You know, it's very date sensitive. March 15 is coming like a freight train. But what do you think of Alan Lazard, man? How do you see that situation? Are you willing to pay him 11.1, or what is the number you think you put on him? Uh, just to jump out in front of Lazard real quick, I think, like you were talking about with the Rodgers thing, unfortunately, I, I do agree with you. I, I think it's it's fully fair that he gets all the time up to free agency to make that decision. But then to go back to Lazard, I feel like if Rodgers comes back or if he doesn't come back, has a lot – to do with where these a lot of the, the hinge on a lot of these guys, you know, if, if, if we do get Aaron Rodgers back, then I think it makes more sense to keep guys like Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Cobb, you know, he's probably going to come cheap. Sorry. I don't mean to jump into another player. No, but, no, you're good. Go. I think that I think Lazard is kind of the same thing. He, uh, Aaron Rodgers trusts him. I, I don't think that he showed up as a number one, like we all thought he had the possibility to this season, but um, if, if Jordan Love's our starter next season, it, is he really going to be that guy for Jordan Love when we've got guys like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs? Because I don't think so. I think yeah. I think the future of guys like Alan Lazard really hinges on the fact that, that Rodgers does come back. Um, as for the price tag, 11 is kind of steep for, for the numbers that he puts up. Obviously, he is a big part of our offense as a blocker, and, and he is a clutch player. 
now and again. But guys like Watson and Dobbs are going to be in their second season. They're going to be used a lot more. They're going to play a lot more. And, and I mean, I like Alan Lazard. He's he's been one of my favorite players since he came to the team, just because of the whole kind of underdog story. You know, he's yeah. a good he's a good guy, and and he is he's he's a good football player, but he's not he's not a number one. I don't really think he's a number two. I think I think maybe what I was saying before this last season when he came back on on the tender, um, maybe like seven a year. Seven. Something okay. Like that. Cool. <clears throat> Got it. Got it. And, you know, the, the way I see this, I, I never look at it like, oh, player isn't worth that. Let them go. I'm looking at it like if the cap doesn't line up, they're not fitting schematically exactly what you want to do and you need to go in a different direction. Let that dude go get his money. Like let that him hit too. the market. You know, that's the way I see it. And I don't I don't like the whole idea of let's hold this person hostage and try to, you know, let's see if we can force him to stay here and not allow him to make the money he's earned. But, yeah, I could see that at seven. For me, I think it's closer to five just with how the cap sits. So mm -hmm. I think you've got to let him test free agency. And going back to the Aaron Rodgers comment, um, I think you're spot on, dude. I think that's all going to come into play. I would say here in two or three weeks what's going to happen is Goody will probably reach out to Aaron and go, hey, man, how you feeling? You don't, we don't need an answer right now, but which way are you leaning? Because here's the plan. If you do come back – you know, here's who we plan on bringing back with you. We know you like Lazar. We know you like this. And here's the number we've got on them, right? You know what I would love to see, Justin, just to put the narrative to bed? I would love to see a scenario where Aaron says, yeah, I would like to come back. And you know what, man? Let's adjust this salary a bit. Um, mm -hmm. I want to give a little bit back and free up some room, bro. To be able to pimp slap everybody who talks about him <laughs> being selfish, I would not know how to act. I'm telling you right now. Now, should he do that? Yeah. No. That the dude has earned the money back to back MVPs. Yeah. Like, who are we to yeah. say that someone shouldn't get their money? That's just so silly. It's amazing it how we're always surprises so me. other people's money. What's that? It seriously surprises me that how many Packer fans want to push him out. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I would I'm a Packer fan through and through, and I'll be excited if he decides he does want to leave and we do get Jordan Love. But yeah, the dude has gave us 20 nearly 20 years of being one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and everyone's just so quick to get him out, get him out. Y'all yeah. are crazy, man. It's wild. It really is. And yeah, I'll say this. Um, it we you use the same word that I always use. Everyone is, everyone is everyone. And it's it's really not the case. You know, I did that poll the other day, and it was two percent agreed, or two percent said he should have had to make his decision before wild card weekend, which is absurd, in my opinion. But hey, I respect their opinion. But the large majority, almost 80%, I think it was 74%, said he he should have the right until free agency to be able to make his decision. So the large majority agree with us. It's just typically those people that hate him are the loudest and it makes it seem like there's more of them than there are. But yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. So as far as Randall Cobb, you know, we don't have a market value uh, as far as an evaluation from Spotrack, but he graded out as a 70.1 last year. You know, for a large part of the season, he was the highest graded receiver on this roster and he had limited yeah, touches from time to time, but man, when he got an opportunity, how many times did we see him make a big time catch on third down? You know, and when still he still has the hands. He might not have the twitch, but that guy's got the hands. And I'm sorry if you watch Travis Kelsey play right now in Kansas City, he's not blowing the defense away with quick twitch or speed. This dude's getting open in space. He's sure-handed. He's making the plays that are there, and you can't put a price tag on that. But with Randall Cobb grading out as a 70.1, his cap hit last year was 4.1. Now, there was some dead money involved that got pushed out a bit, but let's just use 4.1 as the gauge. How do you feel about Randall Cobb coming back? 
So, uh, you know, at 4.1 million, would you would you want him back at 4.1 million? This is all assuming, obviously, that Aaron is coming back and, hey, he wants his guys back. What's the number would you put on? Yeah, like you said, I, I think that it really does, like like Lazard, it hinges on the fact if Rodgers comes back because if Rodgers doesn't come back, you know, Randall Cobb's more than likely not going to want to come back. But at $4 million, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, absolutely. Absolutely. He is. He's Mr. Clutch on third down. He's good. He's good for the locker room. You know, he's we got a lot of young receivers in there right now. And and he's, he's a good guy to have around. I, yes. I, I'd say he's worth the four million. I completely agree with that. Yeah, I think. And especially if it's just a, another one year rental, you know, and it's yep. like it's not like you're committing a bunch of money long term. So if you can get him back at four point one and let's say that, you know, with what we just said, Alan Lazard does go out there and he deserves the money. He gets the money on the market at eleven point one. So we let him walk. Now that wide receiver room, essentially the way it would stack up, according to my roster, would be you'd have Watson, Dobbs, Cobb, Torre. Cotton and Milton. Now we would all agree that Cotton and Milton are probably not going to be on the 53 man roster, right? That's they're probably going to be practice squad guys. But again, this is Goody protecting himself. So he's got a full roster for every scenario. Um, so if you add Cobb in there with Watson, Dobbs, Cobb, and Torre, you've still got one spot open to go get a legit number one receiver. And you can afford to do that because there's not a ton of money tied up in that wide receiver room. We've talked about on this podcast, and we're not going to go into great detail. It's not, it's not going to be a, a salary cap talk top podcast, but you've got up, you've got roughly 40 million in simple restructures you can do, and as much as 70 million in maximum restructures. I've said all along. If you stay, if you come in there, at, you know, about that 30 million mark, you can free up enough room to go get a number one receiver and not overpay for them. When I say a number one receiver, I'm not talking about top of the market, break the bank for a Christian Kirk. I'm talking about somebody like who knows, maybe a Jacoby Meyer or someone like that, that, you know, could be a quality starting wide receiver. Now what you've done is upgraded from Lazard. You've brought Cobb back. You've got your slot receiver. Jacoby could play all over the place. This is just one name I'm throwing out there because he's one of the, the current, you know, on track to be a free agent. So there's a lot of things you can do there, but I agree with you on the 4.1 million. Let's move on to tight uh, end. You've got three here that are hitting free agency technically. Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, and Tyler Davis. Robert Tunyon graded out as a 57.7 on PFF. I got to be honest, that's what I've seen on the tape. Now, I'm not trying to knock the guy. There's no way I, I would ever be able to do anything he does on a football field. So it's silly to sit here and pretend like <laughs> that's a bad thing, right? Um, Robert Tunyon, 57.7. Mercedes Lewis, 65.6. And then you have Tyler Davis at a 56.7. For me personally, well, Robert Tunyon's market value is showing $5.2 million. Um, Mercedes Lewis last year was 4.5 against the cap. And then Tyler Davis was 895000 against the cap. For me personally, I would like to see them try to bring Tyler Davis back on a minimum, like a veteran deal. I would love to see them bring Mercedes Lewis back. I'd like to see a little less than that four and a half, but at 5.2, I would tell Tunyon, hey, man, go test the market, bring us your best offer back, and who knows, you might be able to get them for two or three, right? So how do you see that as far as Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, and Tyler Davis? Uh, to start with, with big dog, man, uh, that's going to be up to, if he wants to come back and play another season, if he will come back, I feel like he's another one of those guys that he plays cheap and he's good for the locker room, which is, is huge for our football team right now. Um, it doesn't seem like the, the locker room is, is hyped right now as it was in the past years. Um, so I think he's a good guy to keep around for there. If he's cheap, he, he, he blocks well. He, he's made a couple, he made a couple good plays this season. Um, for Tunyon, I I don't not like the guy. I think 
I think he's done a lot of good things for us, but I also think he's a little that Packer fans have kind of overhyped him for what mm. for what he really is as a player. Um, I've been guilty of that. I know that. <laughs> I just yeah, and I I was too. I, I was wasn't not was it two or three seasons ago he had he had like, the, ten, like ten touchdowns or something. Yeah, I, I yeah, right. Yeah, and, and it just it didn't carry over after that. Um, I think that he's the one guy of the three that you you may just let walk, and I've been hoping actually that we address tight end in the draft this year whether it be like you said mayor in the first round or if we grab another guy you know second or third round even i really think that his role can be can be filled by by a year one player with with probably more talent than he has yeah absolutely and the thing that tunyon does well is he's, he's as sure-handed as they come but you know that is the one thing about him is he never drops the ball yeah and and, and that is very valuable you know if it the way I kind of see the tight end position, I tweeted this out a few minutes ago. I, I don't have time to pull the tweet up exactly, so I'm kind of paraphrasing. I hope I remember this correctly. A perfect scenario for me would be Michael Mayer falling to 15. You take him with the 15 pick. He becomes your attached tight end, but he's also someone – he can play attached, he can play flex in the slot, and he can play the boundary X, right? So he can literally play all those roles that you need him to. He's not a blazer, but he's one of those guys kind of like Gronk. Gronk didn't have blazing speed. But Gronk had enough athleticism to get open in space, kind of like what we were talking about with Kelsey. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying that Michael Mayer is a Hall of Famer. Okay, guys, he could come in and be the biggest bust ever. Based off the information that I have, the 92-point PFF grade from college, uh, from the college uh, grading system, and then you know everything else, his ability to block, he is that true tight end that can play attached, flex, and boundary. And that's very, very valuable. If he played those roles and then you've got DeGuara being your primary H-back, you bring Mercedes Lewis back, he could fill in at H-back in a pinch, but also play attached. And then let's say you got Tunyon at $2 million, right? And I'm not suggesting that's all he's worth. Go get your money, big guy, right? Go get your money and come back. If the best, if he didn't get an offer more than a, a veteran minimum, then hey, look, we'll give you two, two and a half million. Now you've got a guy who can play that backup flex role and boundary X if you need him to. That sure hands, right? But we've got yeah. to get out of this whole idea that hey, this guy is going to be able to, uh, you know, block as an attached tight end because, you know, he's a he's a long time removed from that crackback block that he put on Joey Bosa back in the day that we all went crazy over, right? <laughs> and and let's be honest, he caught him off guard. But that Aaron Jones fumble, man, right before halftime against the Lions, I put that equally on Tunyon because he he kind of, you know, just played patty cake on that block, allowed the guy to blindside uh, Aaron Jones as he was trying to dodge another defender inside. Um, it's a team sport, man. It's easy to blame just Aaron Jones on the fumble. It's also easy to just blame Tunyon. But those two things combined is why that ball got loose in that crucial middle eight and obviously uh, setting us up to lose the turnover differential as well. But um, those things matter. So that's kind of how I see it at the tight end position. Let's go to offensive line. The only name on the list here, and you correct me if I overlooked anybody, Justin, but I see Yash Nijman. We know he's – we have the ability to put a tender on him, and it's showing that his market value is $3.3 million. This one's a tough one for me. Going Before the Lions game, I would have probably been all on board with Nijman coming back at 3.3, right? But now – you know, the fact that they had to pull him out of the Lions game because he was struggling and you put Zach Tom in, to me, I'm starting to lean toward, man, I feel like it makes more sense just to move forward with Zach Tom. I mean, it, basically what happened in that game is, all right, this isn't working. Tom deserves a shot. If you're that close in the evaluation, then you can save $3.3 million against the cap and start a rookie that's making, I believe, less than a million dollars against the cap hit per year. 
that could be a really nice way to currently shave money off the cap. And then obviously you've got that rookie contract for three more years. That could be huge. But what, how do you feel about Yash as we wrap up the offensive uh, side of the ball here? Yeah, he, he gave us some good games and he also struggled. Um, I'm sorry, 63.1. Like 63.1 is PFF grade too. Go ahead. Yeah, which just like I said, gave us some good games. Yeah. He he didn't ha- didn't have some didn't have some games that were super awesome, but he was just kind of you know right in the middle. I, I'm the problem. The problem I see is that all season our our offensive line was just a revolving door, and it seemed like Zach Tom when he came in, he he just seemed to hold his place better than than Nijman did. Um, like you said, he's the, Zach Tom still on on his rookie contract. We still got three more years. I'd rather see the young the young man go, but if mm-hmm. if Yash goes out and he he tests free agency and he can't get a paycheck and he wants to come back real cheap, yeah, I guess just I, I got I got no price tag on him, but but yeah. you can't you can't ever have too many offensive linemen. I know Ryan hates when you say you can't ever have too many or something, but <laughs> you know like it, offensive linemen and, and and edge rushers are two of the, two of the positions you know that you just you have to have and you and you need you need quality at both so mm-hmm. i don't know if if he if we let him walk then then maybe that's something else we need to address in the draft yeah but one of the things yeah, yeah and and i i tend to like disagree with the masses in this regard i think i'm the only packer fan that's looking at the offensive line and saying like i can understand and, and i actually responded to a tweet uh last night about this when someone said i really think we need to go o tackle guard I can understand that because at times the offensive line struggled. But when you look at the roster, you've got Bakhtiari, who – guys, he didn't allow a single sack last season. Everybody's like – just like Aaron Jones, throw him out, get him out of here, just cut him, we need the cap. Wait. It's an elite position, and he's playing as good as anyone now that he's finally healthy. You literally weathered the storm through the worst part where he was trying to get healthy, and now he's healthy and it's let's cut him loose. It, it, I, it's mind-boggling to me. It's it's mm-hmm. the epitome of buying high and selling low, and I would hate to see some of these cats' portfolios. I'm just telling you right now. Um, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon, Josh Myers, Zach Tom, Royce Newman, Rasheed Jones. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Caleb Jones, Rasheed Walker, Sean Ryan, and then Delance. If you count those off, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 offensive linemen. Obviously, DeLance is just going to be a camp body most likely, right? Sean Ryan, it's not looking good. You know, the fact that he couldn't make it on the field and he was cheating says a lot. I'm sorry. It really does. Um, I think Goody whiffed that one. Yeah. So Third round curse. (laughs) Could you make a draft, uh, use a draft pick on offensive linemen? Absolutely. But who are you starting them over? You know, are we just going to throw Zach Tom back on the bench when he showed that, hey, look, he can handle you know, that starting role when when asked, like, you know, the same people who are complaining about the salary cap being a mess, they're, they're not willing to give someone like Zach Tom an opportunity to right. help absorb some of that cap, you know? So, yeah. um, I don't know. Ideally, the I think I think if we bring Yash back at this point, I think I think he's a backup. You know, he's he's security. Exactly. I, I think you really got to start. If you're looking at our, our best offensive lineman, in my opinion right now, from left to right, you got Bakhtiari. Jenkins, Myers, who could use some upgrading. Yeah. Runyon and um Zach Tom at right tackle. 
that, that that's I think our best five. That's how I see it too. Yeah. And and am I saying, oh yeah, that's that's good. We're ready to roll. Let's get out. no, there there's always room for improvement. And every position that we cover here, if a guy falls in the draft and they have him graded extremely high, take him. You know, if you have an offensive lineman that if you have a left tackle that falls in the draft and he was in that that top tier of talent on Goody's board, I have no qualms with taking him. It's all about best player available. And that's the part I think a lot of fans that they don't truly grab a hold of is the way the board is constructed, how the horizontal board is seen and used. And um, and it's just simply, uh, well, we didn't need that. We need, you know, it's like tied in. I've been pounding the table going, man, if Mayor's there at 15, unless something horrible goes horribly wrong at the combine or, or you know, it's pro day or whatever um, to drive his stock way down where you might be able to get him a little later. I'm going, this, this kind of looks like a slam dunk. And, and the big pushback I'm getting, Justin, is you never take a tight end that early. That's silly. You wait the second or third round. And I'm going, hold up. And they, and they always point out Gronk went in the second. They point out that Kelsey, I think, went in the third. Uh, all these players went later. And I'm like, so if you were to redraft, you're telling me because they're a tight end, you wouldn't take Gronk with the number 15 pick? You wouldn't take it, right. Tony Gonzalez with the number 15 pick? Or just, Mark Andrews? I mean – it, it just sort of happens. It seems like that they, that tight yeah. ends are kind of diamond in the rough, but if you got a player like mayor, that seems like you said, like a slam dunk, he's right there for your taking. And th- this offense could really use a tight end like that. So I think I, I personally am among the opinion that if he's there at 15, we take him or if there is a, is a receiver available, yeah, I'd like to take her. I, I'd really like to, to hammer down on offense this year in the draft if possible. Yeah, and That's in true. the first round, man, there's really no positions that are off limits. There isn't. Like, if you have a top-tier talent fall, you could pretty much make a case for any position on the offensive side of the ball. If you have a top-tier quarterback, obviously you're taking them. Some people are going, what are you talking about? Absolutely. Jordan loves last year on his contract. They may think he's the guy, and I did a whole episode on that. I won't go into great detail about it, but even if you think Jordan Love is a starting caliber quarterback, if someone falls in the draft, whether it's C.J. Stroud or Bryce uh, Young, whoever, and and the Packers look up and Goody has a higher grade on them than they did Jordan Love coming into the draft, they're going to take him. Brace yourself. Like That that quarterback position is so important. Um, yeah. But anyway, I don't think any any positions are off limits when it comes to the draft for sure on the offensive side of the ball. Let's move over to defense, man. Let's start in the trenches. Defensive line, Dean Lowry and Jaron Reed are the only two defensive lines that linemen that I see that are walking in free agency. Um, Dean Lowry graded out as a fifty nine point three. I was pounding the table for Dean early in the season. I felt like man, he's he's playing playing a role in his defense. He's going to be all right, especially last year. But man, he really dropped off at a fifty nine point three. And then Jaron Reed graded out as a 61.9. Obviously, Jaron Reed, the the tough thing about letting somebody like that walk is Jaron Reed, if I remember correctly, he single-handedly won us that game in Miami in that late push. Wasn't wasn't that the game where he had the the forced fumble and the fumble recovery at the crucial time and and got the dub, if I remember correctly? So Dean Lowry's uh, cap hit last year was $6.9 million. That's that's insane, 59.3. And his cap hit was six point nine million. That's that's on Goody. It is, and and I'm not sitting there trying to play hindsight because I like I said last year I was going man Dean Lowry's a big role player, but he dropped off. In no way, shape, or form am I bringing him back at six point nine. Man, let him go get his money. Let him go test the market. He may get that on the market if he don't. Uh, you know, maybe the number I would put on him is two or three million possibly. Um, and then Jaron Reed, 
to me, this was a good pickup. I know he just graded as a 61.9, but he was only 1.7 million against the cap. If he'll play for 1.7 million next year, bring him back. I really feel like that. But uh, how do you feel about the defensive line there between Lowry and Jaron Reed? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. Um, I used to be kind of a, a Dean Lowry apologist because I got a buddy that he, he probably hates Dean Lowry more than he does anyone on the team. He's always complaining how he's always on his back. He can't get off his blocks. And I was like, no, you know, he, he makes some plays, though. He's he's been he's been a decent football player for us. But I think that this season was definitely one of them drop off seasons. And if you have to, I, I feel like you can't bring them both back. It's got to be it's got to be Lowry. It's got to be Reed. And with what they put out there this season, and especially at, at the cost that he came, I I would definitely say if he'll come back cheap, like you said, at the one point seven, or maybe he maybe even can command a little bit more than that because he right yeah he made maybe you know he yep I I would bring Reed back if it were yeah me. that's kind of how I see it too so. You know, Goody, if I had to guess, I'd say he's going to Jaron Reed and saying, hey, man, what do you think about 2.2, 2.3 million, right? Mm-hmm. And Jaron will probably, and rightfully so, say, heck no, dude, I want to hit the market. All right, go get the, go get your best offer and bring it back. And if he comes back with weeks. a $4 million offer, hey, man, appreciate everything you've done for us. Go get your money. That's the way I see that. Mm-hmm. So, But as far as Lowry, kind of the same boat, but Dean Lowry will probably demand a little bit more money on the market, and, and that's good for him. You know, it sucks to see some of these guys go because you, you've you rooted for them for so long, you know, but yeah, he's you know, a number, he's a good dude, but yeah, he's a good guy in the community and everything. But it's it comes down to to being a business. A lot of people think absolutely. the whole bringing Aaron Jones back just because he's a good guy and this. And that. It's not about that. It, it is a business, mm-hmm. but that that's that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, it really is. And when it comes to Aaron Jones, man, for me, I mean, it is it's really simple dude. that. We'll talk. We may talk about it before we wrap up, but. Uh, somebody's performing like that on the field and it's just let's cut ties with them because we want to make the salary cap look pretty is just silly to me. Um, all right, let's move on to edge. Justin Hollins, 57.7 PFF grade. Eric Wilson, 56.3 PFF grade. These were a couple signings that Goody made. Obviously, um, you know, Hollins coming over uh, from the LA Rams, uh, I think off the practice squad there. First of all, can we just take a second, Justin, and acknowledge the fact that PFF, everything I read off to you, Alan Lazard, 69, Randall Cobb, 70.1, Bob Tunyon, 57.7, Mercedes Lewis, 65.6, Tyler Davis, 56.7, Yash Nijman, 63.1. Is there any of those grades that you go, no, man, those don't match up with what I've seen? Like, they seem pretty spot on to me. Do you agree with that, or am I just a fanboy for PFF? No, nah, man, I, I agree with you. I, I know there's there's guys out there that they say that they don't put a whole lot of stock into PFF, and – sometimes I, I don't necessarily agree with what they have to say, but right. they're, they're definitely a better resource than, than anything else out there. They, yeah. they have, they have a full team that watches every player, every down, every time they move a muscle, you're going to, you got to trust those grades more than, well, it didn't really look like he played like that when I was watching <laughs> the game on the broadcast. Watching like, Christian Watson the, do a backflip in the end zone the, as if they've the, seen every other player play. <laughs> yeah, the the Jalen Ramsey apologist sometimes. Like he 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 had was it the year that that Jair graded out as the best corner in football, and they had Ramsey down at like fifteen. I got into it with with a couple buddies online about that. They were saying no way that Jair's better than Jalen Ramsey. He shuts down he shuts down number one wide receivers left and right. Okay, well then why is his grade terrible? Right. It's not for no reason. 
Right. If he, and if you go he, watch the tape, saying, it's not. Yeah, I mean, you see it. You can see it that you're. Yeah, it, um, it's just be. It's just because the dude built a name for himself. Just why I think it's ridiculous mm-hmm. that he's he's in the the player voted Pro Bowl or whatever this year. Ram, Ramsey's not a bad corner, but I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one, one example of of PFF knows their stuff. There's there's a reason that they have full teams doing what they do. Like I said, watching every player, every snap they play, every move they make. Trust me, yeah. they they know more than you while you're drinking beer and, and watching the game on your couch. Right. And it goes for me too. Like that's the thing. When I when I go to look at a player and I think, okay, I you know, if I disagree with a PFF grade, I immediately follow it up with, but I haven't watched every snap. You you need to know that. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, so all right, cool. Sorry to get off track there, but I just want to ask that because when I looked at those grades, I was like, man, there's nothing there that I disagree with. Like, no, that that that's not how it like even Cobb, every opportunity Cobb got, he maximized it. A 70.1, I feel like, is a very fair grade. But anyway, Justin Hollins, 57.7. Eric Wilson, 56.3 at the edge position. A um, couple pickups there by, by Goody, um, kind of what he's been good at doing. Obviously, those are bad grades, but Justin Hollins at $375,000 cap hit <laughs> and Eric Wilson at 696000 When you're playing cash over cap and you're kicking the can down the road like we are, you know, pushing a little bit of money out, playing voidable years, all that stuff. Um, you're going to need guys on the bottom of the roster. I think with at that at that price tag, if those two guys will come back at that price tag, bring them back, and worst case scenario, you cut them, and you're dealing with a three hundred seventy five thousand uh, dollar cap penalty or whatever it may be. But how do you how do you feel about the edge position there? Because obviously these guys are further down on the roster. You've got Preston Smith and you've got Kingsley and Igbare. And then of course, Rashawn Gary, when he recovers, whether that's mid season, the last, you know, the, the, the second, you know, second part of the season, whatever it may be, the second half, um, those are your two starters going in, but you need those backups in that row. Obviously you got people like uh, Garvin and, and others, but those two specifically, you bring them back at that price tag. Yeah. So the, the edge position, this going into this year gets a little bit tricky because of the Rashawn Gary injury. Obviously, dude is an absolute freak of nature, and mm-hmm. he he could be ready week one for for how hard he works. Probably the dude probably works harder than than any player in the entire NFL. If you followed him on any type of social media, the dude never stops working. Yeah. I, I I don't know if he can rehab that injury fast enough to be back. I doubt it because of because of the injury. Um, be tough, yeah. But that it gets difficult trying to figure out how to fill in edge players when your best one might be missing half the season. But at that price tag, like you said, bringing, bringing them back for what's that, would you say less than half, half a million for them guys? And 375. I know O-Track was shown. Holland, Hollins, especially um, there were a couple times there. Obviously he was a late pickup in the season, but how many times he, he may not have the greatest PFF grade because of some of the other things that he, that he was doing, right. but for, for, for pressure, how yep. many times did did you see him come up with a with a big time sack in games late in the season? There, he he, I'd say he's worth it, worth that. You just to mm-hmm. have depth at, at edge and you know just a player that that can bring the pressure. Why not? Yeah, and and, and someone who can give Preston Smith and uh, Kingsley and Igbari a little break from time to time, like that, that's valuable. It really is. And like you said, he is kind of a pass rush specialist. And some of these PFF grades, the overall grades, I like to choose the overall grades. Because everything does matter, but I'm glad yeah. you pointed that out because there are people in the league, especially with price tags like that, that are good at one or two little things, and you can, hey, we can use them in these situations and be a little bit strategic about it. So, 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, good stuff, man. Let's move on to linebacker. We got Chris Barnes, forty-six point seven. I got a, I got a shameful confession to make here, Justin. <laughs> About two years ago, Ryan put something on the Packernet Facebook group page, and I bet we could find it if we did some digging. But anyway, I commented, and they said, "Who's one of the?" I think the question was, "Who's an underrated Packer?" And I put Chris Barnes, and I meant it from the bottom of my soul, bro. I was like, I think Chris Barnes is a great linebacker, and he's just not getting opportunities. And ever since then, he has underperformed. <laughs> so I was extremely wrong with that assessment of Chris Barnes. But, again, 46.7. He's only 895000 against the cap. We've got three linebackers returning, obviously Campbell. You've got uh, Quay Walker. And then you have uh, McDuffie, right? Um, I think you're good there. You just need a backup, you know, a backup to the the backup there in McDuffie. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, Chris Barnes. If he wants to take a minimum comeback and and have a shot at making the club in training camp, I get it. But I, I think you definitely let him test the market. How do you feel about Barnes? Yeah, I'm kind of sort of in the same situation as you. Or a couple of years ago, I thought he was going to be a lot better than what he kind of turned out to be but you know you do you do need that security on the back end we're fortunate enough to have a guy like Devondre Campbell and then obviously we drafted Quay Walker last year I think um obviously the flash number of the tackles for for Quay 
has been nice, but he could use he I think he'll probably play better in his second season. And then too. like you yeah. said, I, I think McDuffie as the third spot, he he's overperformed com- from what I thought he would be. Um, yeah. but but it does not hurt to have to have a fourth guy at just for depth for security, yeah. you know. So if if he'll come back on that real cheap price tag, then yeah. If he wants to go out and like you said, t- test the market, by all means go for it because we can fill in another body just as talented as he is. It's just it's just about filling the position more than anything with him. Absolutely. Completely agree. Completely agree. All right. This is where it gets good. Cornerback. There's only one on the list here, man. And it's our boy Keyshawn Nixon. Whoo, Keyshawn Nixon. No, so, number one priority. Number yes. one. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because he is number one on my list. We'll we'll talk about that here in a second too. Keyshawn Nixon, 63.9 PFF grade for an overall defensive grade, right? You're going, well, why are you so excited? We, you know why I'm excited. <laughs> His kick return grade, according to PFF, 92.7 elite. Guys, we're talking – It listen, deep breath, everybody. This was one season, one, not even a full season, but – as it sits right now, we're talking about kick return comparisons to Desmond Howard in his prime, Packers-wise, and even Devin Hester. Like, the, the stuff that he did this year was special. Now, he's not going to catch anybody off guard next year. We already started seeing him kicking away from him and doing certain things. Um, and you've seen Detroit. We talked about going into that week, Justin. Detroit had one of the best special teams uh, you know, uh, grades in all of football. Isn't it amazing? The PFF grades lining up again, both with Keyshawn Nixon's return grade. And then also that week going in, I said right here on the pod, according to PFF, Detroit has one of the best special teams units in all of football. And what happened? They shut Keyshawn Nixon down. And that's not a knock on Keyshawn Nixon. It's just to show you that it can be countered. But last year on the cap, only $965,000, right? That's about the change. So we've got to realistically approach this and say, okay, what is Keyshawn Nixon worth as far as market value? What are you willing to pay, right? Well, I did a Twitter poll right before we went um, live here. I'm going to see if I can pull it up real quick here, Justin, because I would like to see the results. Here you go. Um, Actually, no, I did the Rudy Ford one instead of the Keyshawn Nixon one, but we'll get the Rudy here in a second. Man, I really wish I'd put the Keyshawn Nixon one up. (laughs) <laughs> What's the number you would put on him? And what, by number, this is what I mean, Justin. I'm putting you on a spot. We didn't talk about this offline. What is the maximum number you would pay Keyshawn Nixon to be your kick returner and then obviously fill in at, as you know as a depth corner, whether it's a, a dime back or maybe you push him into the nickel row? I don't know. Um, I think he's dynamic enough. He's shown he's a, he's a football player. He's not a kick returner. He's not a DB. He's not a slot receiver like he said he wanted to try. This guy is a football player. He's cut from the same cloth as Charles Woodson, in my opinion. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying he's kind of that dynamic. He's just a football player. Not blazing speed, but just understands angles, understands how to play the game. What is the number, man? It's tough because I'll be honest with you. I don't have the number right now. I'm trying to, like, what is that worth to have a game changer returning kicks like that? Uh, to start off with, he's he's on the roster as a corner, but I don't even need to see him on the defense. I don't I don't yeah. care. Just re, <laughs> right. just return kicks, return punts. Um, what when I was growing up, man, the Bears obviously had Devin Hester, and every time you watched someone kick him the ball, it it lit you up because you knew something was about to happen. 
And this dude is the exact same way. It's nice to be able to see that on, on our side of the ball. You know what I mean? The Packers have a guy on the roster now that as soon as, as soon as that ball touches his hands, he's looking to make something happen and he's making it happen. And if you trace it back to when Green Bay started to sort of turn our season around a little bit. Obviously, it didn't end up the way that we wanted it to. But when was that? That was right about the time that we cut Amari Rodgers. We put Nixon in there to start returning kicks. And all of a sudden, our special teams grade yep. went way up. It, it gave, gave us, rather than having more turnovers, because Amari couldn't hold on to the ball, we have a guy with a spark that gets the ball in his hands and he runs down the field and gives our offense a better chance to score. That is the exact point when our, when our team made a major turnaround and I'd like to see that same thing going into next season. You'd be, you'd be silly not to, as for the number, (laughs) what, what do you, what do you pay the best kick returner in the whole league? Just, just, you know, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a good, I'm not a good salary guy to, to, Here's the thing, like, who, who could you compare him to in the NFL? You know, the name that kept popping up to me was Cordero Patterson was one of the best kick returners in the game. Now, I don't know if that stood or not. We probably should do a little more research to get the exact number, but I'm going to look at Cordero Patterson's contract here, according to Spotrack, real quick, and see if we can just see what his is. While um, you're looking that up, I'm going to – I put out a tweet back when they uh, when they released the All-Pro list yeah. comparing Keyshawn Nixon to – Cordell Patterson, you'll laugh about it. Consider, <laughs> right. Considering, okay, so yeah. his cap hit uh, for this year, um, for this past year, was two point five million. Was Cordero Patterson's in twenty twenty three? His cap hit is five point five million. Now, keep in mind, Cordero Patterson is also a running back, so there's a lot of value there, right? Now, they do have two voidable years tacked onto that. They being Atlanta. That includes a cap hit of 2.5 next year and 1.2 in 2025. Um, you mean to tell me the Packers are the only ones doing voidable years? <gasps> they're not? Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, anyway, um, $5.5 million is what they're showing his cap hit is for this year. Um, man, it's tough, dude. It's so tough. But part of me wants to say you, you kind of got to let him test the market and then come back with the best offer. I mean, what do you – what do you – because – I'm the I'm of the opinion, Justin, that these offers need to be made in season. As you see them starting to rise, all right, let's throw in some guaranteed money. I said that about Rudy Ford this year. Kind of felt the same way about Keyshawn Nixon. If he goes on the market, what do you think he would what do you think he would get, man? I'm not sure what he would get, but allowing him to even test what he can get, <laughs> I I'd be sweating bullets because he's gonna go out, he's gonna get a big offer and he's gonna be gone. And and it, like we talked about, I really think that our number one priority is bringing that dude back. Yeah. Now, to here's, the best uh, of my knowledge, we that. can't prevent him from hitting the market either. But go ahead. No, no. Uh, so my tweet was: All Pro kick returner Cordell Patterson had only returned nine kicks for 284 yards. Seven of those were 20 plus. One was 40 plus, and his longest was 103. Keyshawn Nixon. Returned 35 kicks with 1,009 yards, 21 that were 20 plus, five that were 40 plus, and his longest was 105. They each had one touchdown. Holy how, cow. How, and he how didn't do you, the whole season. How, yeah, yeah and, he, and he started returning kicks in what? The beginning of November, I think. How do you, how do you justify 
that Cordero Patterson was the was the All Pro. Obviously, he was only the player picked it's All Pro, but man, it's just yeah, it's crazy. We, we we got to have that guy back. I think you go to Keyshawn Nixon if it's me and, and everything that we just talked about, what uh, Cordero Patterson's on the books for. Um, you probably had to get creative and do it, but I think you go to him with the first offer and say, hey, man, what do you think about, uh, you know, I'm not even sure how old he is. I want to say he's around 27. I don't have that info pulled up. But what if you went to him and said three years, an average salary, whatever, you know, average yearly income of five, five and a half million dollars? What do you think? Would you sign off on that? Uh, I think I would. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think I maybe, maybe, and I'm no GM or anything like that, but maybe they go to him and say, put the ball in his court a little bit. What, what is it, what, what is it going to take to keep you? What, yeah. you know, what, what can we give you for, for financials, you know, for security, how long, you know, to keep him around or whatever, like see, see if maybe, maybe he comes at you with a number that, that he's comfortable with that, is in your range already. And, and if he goes a little bit outside it and figure out, you know, like you talk, there's, there's plenty of ways to crunch cap around that a spark that big yeah. on this football team. You, you really can't risk letting him go unless, unless he's coming like, yeah, you know, I need 15 million a year to return kicks. Obviously that's a little out there, but, yeah. but if he, if he's coming at you with a reasonable number, then, then that's, that's a guy that, like I said, a, a bunch of times he's number one priority on the list this year. Yeah, and that's Rich Basaccia's guy. So the first domino to fall here, guys, with Keyshawn Nixon being an unrestricted free agent, is pray to sweet baby Jesus that the Indianapolis Colts does do not sign Rich Basaccia as their head coach. I think it's a long shot. I really do. I don't want to sit here and right. make it sound as if he's a front runner. But I think they're going to cut that coaching search down early next week to five candidates. When they do that, if Rich Basaccia doesn't make that list – we've got a really good shot of retaining Keyshawn Nixon. If he goes to the Indianapolis Colts, then I think Keyshawn Nixon is going, bro, I'm testing free agency, and you can bet your sweet rear end that um, that the Indianapolis Colts and Rich Passaccia are going to make a run at him right off the bat. But, again, it's a long yeah. shot that Passaccia gets that. So that's good stuff, man. At least we kind of put it out there. I know we didn't put down a concrete number. It's so hard to do because we're not cap gurus, guys. We don't claim to be them on Twitter either. Um, it's just <laughs> <laughs> this is – you know, kind of what the Packers are looking at. And Keyshawn is definitely top priority. Let's move on to safety. Adrian Amos, his market value, they are saying, is $6.9 million, okay? $6.9 million is Adrian Amos's market value. He's going to be a free agent. His PFF grade, Justin, 54.2, man. It was, it was a rough year. There's no two ways about it. Now, the tough thing about Adrian Amos, he is one of those players that we decided to push money out on. So in next year, even though he is technically not on the roster next year, right? They did a restructure bonus of two point two million. It's showing that his cap hit next year with him not on the roster is seven point nine million. Now it's nowhere near that eleven million cap hit that we have for Zadarius Smith not being on the roster. But these are one of those players that we felt it was a top priority. Goody felt it was a top priority to keep Adrian Amos, and now you're starting to see it affect the cap next year. This was a bad move. So why do I mention that? I mention that because if he's already $7.9 million against the cap in 2023 and you bring him back for the market value of $7 million, I mean, you do the math. That's literally over $15 million that's going to be on the books to have Adrian Amos, who graded out as a 54.2. I, I think we're probably on the same page. you got to let him walk, right? 
Yeah, because of the, because of the cost on that one. The unfortunate part about that is that Adrian Amos has I, he even on the Bears, you could see how good of a football player he yeah. he was. He just I think he he's one of the most sure tacklers in the league. He it just this was an unfortunate down season for him. He I don't I don't know that it, you can look at his PFF grades throughout his career, but I don't think he's ever been anywhere close to that low. Um, he he's he's been one of the most Sure, tacklers, like I said, in the whole league, he, he's, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, just so because of the cost, it, it gets tough decline. with him. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is is that if he's declining now, he's kind of getting up there in age. So yeah. could, he, could he bounce back? Maybe. But is it is it worth dumping a bunch of money into, into a maybe? I can't say that I'm mad at Goody for for the extension that he, that he you know, and keeping him around and pushing the money back because – nobody could have ever guessed that he would have declined as much as he did. Okay. He, he hasn't, he hasn't put bad football on tape at all in his career until this season, in my opinion. Yeah. Now very well said. And, and hindsight's 2020, but you know, yeah, I think you got to let him walk. Now you tell him, Hey, go grab your best offer and bring it back. And if he comes back and the market is ice cold, maybe there's an outside chance you get him for pennies on the dollar. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think there. I think it's safe to say that Adrian Amos is probably going to be playing for someone else next year. Now, if you're looking to attack the safety position in free agency, when you look at it outside of Jesse Bates, who there's rumors they're not going to franchise tag him again in Cincinnati. Who knows if that's going to prove to be true? Um, it's kind of a slim market, and Adrian Amos is kind of at that toward the top of that list, right? So um, the next guy is the answer, in my opinion. I thought he was the answer early in the season. I wish they had re-signed him. Um, that's Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford graded out as a 77.1 PFF grade. He was only 997000 against the cap. There's no market uh, evaluation for him. For me, it's kind of like the Keyshawn Nixon thing. I think you go to Rudy Ford now, you've already let his stock raise too much by not re-signing him during the season. you got to go to him now and say, hey, man, what are you thinking? What would be a fair offer for you? You know, what do you, what is it you're looking for? He may come back and say, man, I would love, you know, a three-year deal for three million per, right? If that's the case, sign it on the spot. Now, if he comes back and says, oh, no, I want to test the market. I think I'm worth 10 million plus. You got to let him test the market. The window had passed you by. We definitely can't afford to, I guess you could, but if you're going to be willing to go over $10 million for someone, then go after Jesse Bates and get creative with the contract, go after one of the best safeties in the league. But this is the tweet I put out. Now I'm going to kind of touch on it here real quick. I put a poll out and I said, Packers fans, put your GM caps on at what price average per year would you bring Rudy Ford back? The options were $5 million plus, uh, no more than $3 million or a veteran minimum. The poll, the people have spoken. They said that they think he's worth no more than $3 million, right? Um, and granted, he is unproven. He had one great year. I say great. He had one solid year, one good year this year, mm -hmm. right? 22% says the veteran minimum, and only 7% say he's worth more than $5 million per. How do you see it, man? What would what would be the number you would try to put on him? I'm kind of right there with the masses on that one. Uh, I think that he he played some good football for us this year, and I th but I think that safety is another one of those positions that we need to hit in the draft this year. I Absolutely. know uh, Jake – he's real high on that uh chris smith um and there's a couple other guys throughout the draft that we can that we can look at but that's that's a better 
check out his podcast for that. Absolutely. But uh, safety, I, Jake, I definitely uh, think Jake Chavink, guys, you can find it. It's, uh, it's always draft season podcast here on the Packernet Podcast Network. Sorry, Jake, I'm not good at the plugs. <laughs> Clayton, fit <laughs> me up on that one. But, uh, okay. but yeah, I, uh, I, I think that, like we had talked about, I think there's a pretty good chance that a- Amos is gone, and we, we do have to fill the positions. If if we can get Rudy Ford back for right around that $3 million range, I think I think that's fair on both sides. And then mm-hmm. we also still need to hit it in the draft as well because, you know, we got Savage for another season, so hopefully he can bounce back. Cause if he's anything like last season, we're in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I hope he does too, man. He he still is young. Um, I, that's one move I didn't agree with was the fifth year. I'm not a big fan of the fifth year option, man. I think it really hems you up. Now, you could trade Savage. You could. And I'm not suggesting they do that. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand evaluating the roster better than a GM or any other fan. But it, it is an option to trade him, and that contract will travel. I think Andy Herman did a uh, – uh, a couple of podcasts where he broke down the roster and different ways they could attack this with and without Rogers. Really good listen. If you guys get a chance, go check those out. Um, but he, he kind of talked about this very thing that you could potentially trade Savage. Um, I don't think that was Goody's plan when he slapped the fifth year, ta- fifth year option on him. Now, if, if there is a team out there that's willing to trade, and let's say they said, hey, look, we'll give you a six-round pick for him. Immediately you go, no way am I giving a first-round pick a guy we took in the first round for a six-round pick. If it frees up $7 million on the cap, kind of makes sense if he's not in the immediate future right, of the team. Um, if it's someone that you know you're not going to extend, you get that money off the books, you get a little bit of draft compensation for it, but now you free up that money that you can go try to find a safety. I get it, but I kind of feel like the, the goal is Savage to try to slide back into that safety role uh, with Amos not on the roster, and then let's see if we can bring Rudy Ford back. I'm with you, man. Um, Rudy Ford, it's it's unfortunate you let the the price maybe get out of your range a little bit at this stage. But if he's willing to come back for three million per, I would sign him for that. I think that would be a good move because he can contribute on special teams as well. Um, but yeah, you're right, man. We got it. We got to do it in the draft. We were screaming it last year, Justin. We need to take a safety in this draft. We need to. There was some good safeties up there too. Um, you know, the dream scenario for me would have been Kyle Hamilton falling all the way down to us. Obviously, that that did not happen. But that dude graded out as yeah. the best safety in the league this year. Like, did he really? See it too. I mean, you see it. You yeah. watch it. You watch the college tape, and it's like this dude is a generational talent. And then he runs he a was, forty time, and everybody's like, "Oh no way!" Like, okay, go ahead. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were talking last year in the draft that he was potentially like a top five supposed to be a top five pick and then and then he for maybe it was the 40 time was the reason he it slipped was. and what, what did he end up going like 12 or something like that he went, he went number 14 to baltimore 14 and, yeah and when they took it he was number two on my board i had him literally number two on my board and i'm like man if he's the i would wait until he was the last top tier talent and then try to make a push to trade up and grab him could you imagine if kyle hamilton had been on that field this year for the green bay packers right and again i know there's people hearing my voice going it's because you're a notre dame fan uh, fan clayton i get it it it's it's just like with mayor these two guys what they done at the college level and being extremely smart football players like he i think mayor will transition very well to the nfl just like kyle hamilton did and the reason i'm talking about the golden domers is because that's the team i watch the most i've seen enough of the tape i'm not you hear me? You don't hear me trumpeting for fourth round picks, going, "Oh, that's a great Notre Dame player." 
Like you're talking about generational talent, and Kyle Hamilton proved that last year. But again, you can't go back, and who knows what the the draft capital would have been to trade up and get Hamilton. But um, you know, it is what it is. You got to move forward. So, all right, good stuff there at safety position. The other one was Dallin Levitt, fifty nine point nine. He made one point one million. He was supposed to be a player that Basache brought into him, Rudy Ford, and uh, Keyshawn Nixon were the three right that 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 he really competed for. I felt like Dallin Levitt was a reason two two punts got blocked this year. Um, I think you got to, if anything, offer him a minimum. He's a camp body, see if he can make the club again. But in no way, shape, or form am I going to compete with him on the market right now or compete with the market for him. Do you agree with that on Levitt? Yep, 100%. That's just a, just a guy He's just a body right now. They're, it's not a guy that you're super concerned on bringing back that you got to throw a bunch of money at. Yeah, absolutely. And the last one we got on the list here, guys, kicker Mason Crosby. He graded out kicking field goals as a 72.4, right? Now, PFF had his kickoff grade as a 22. <laughs> Obviously, they had extra legs there to, to do kickoffs if need be, although it seemed like they let him kick off regardless. Um so the leg is obviously starting to go. Although he did hit that that long, what was it, a fifty-six yarder that he hit? If I remember I think, right, I, I think it was it was sixty yards, wasn't it? Was it really? Yeah, his longest. You have to look have that, that up. Yeah, when we we did the post game show together after that happened, and and I th- and I think that I incorrectly referenced it as fifty yards, and I think it was closer to sixty. We'd have to look back on that one. That's that's yeah. a good point. I was just going to bring that up that it, it's it's obvious that on kickoffs his leg isn't quite there but when he when he dumped that long field goal in man that was cool yeah absolutely and, and you know the, the one that he missed hitting off the crossbar there against Detroit like you that's not on him man I mean that, that's tough situation cold night you know kicking field goals at Lambeau but I'm gonna pull up his field goal numbers here and see what it says here um he attempted he attempted four field goals at 50 yards or more and he hit one it doesn't say what his long was here but I mean, my goodness, man, uh, from 20 to 29 yards, 10 for 10, uh, from 30 to 39, 8 for 8, from 40 to 49, 6 for 7. So, I mean, you you get him, you know, 50 yards or less last year. I mean, it's isn't it amazing what a holder can do um, as far as operations go in the kicking game. I mean, my goodness, it was – you bring in Pat O'Donnell and you go with Coco as the snapper – and everything changed. I mean, it was really, really wild how things turned around there. So, if you do get that long kick pulled up for us, let us know here. But what you, was it? You were you were dead on. It was fifty six. Was it fifty six? Okay. Yeah. Um. And, and but still though, fifty six, man. That's a that's a long kick for Mason. You know. So it's a long kick for anybody, back, really. Last year he was four point seven million against the cap. Right now, obviously, this is one of Rogers' guys. Okay. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, so with him being that on the cap last year, I believe he's on the books from a restructure as well. Let me go down here and see if I can find it. Um, yeah, so this year he's one million against the cap as it sits right now. So last year he was a total of 4.7 million against the cap already on the books from a voidable or yeah, from a voidable year. Um, he's uh, one million against the cap. So do you bring him back? for 4.7 again, and then you tack on that extra million that we voided out. So, I mean, essentially you're paying almost $6 million for Mason Crosby. Is he worth that, or do you draft the kicker, move forward with a minimum rookie contract? Because it's tough, man. And it, he's made all indications, to the best of my knowledge, Justin, that he's, he wants to play and he's wanting to come back. 
uh, oddly enough, I think that the Aaron Rodgers decision kind of affects his a little bit too. Um, unless, unless he does, if Rodgers leaves and, and Mason decides he does want to come back, I think it's, it is troublesome that when he's, when he's kicking the ball off that he can't even hit the end zone anymore because if you can't kick the ball out of the, out of the back of the end zone on a kickoff, you got all these playmakers and you're giving them a free run at it every time. You need to be able to get it get it down there and, and keep the ball out of, out of a playmaking kicker turner's hands. So that part kind of sucks. But for as for a field goal kicker, you know, he's pretty clutch, man. Like he, there's not a lot of those guys in the league that when they when they line up to kick a field goal, you you just trust them to make it. Obviously, like we talked about, he doesn't quite have the leg, so he can't hit the long ones. And you get and you're in a lot of more of those situations where you're fourth and fourth and short, and you just go for it instead of kicking. But it just depends on what's available. Because if we if we got a situation like Chicago had here a couple of years ago where they couldn't hit field goals just to to save their life, how many times can that swing football games? You know, if you if you don't want to pay Mason, you got to find someone that can that can make field goals. And, and you can't you can't make it risky. It's got to be someone that you trust. Yeah, the goal, in my opinion, and and that's everything we're going to cover, guys. We're we're going to wrap it up right here. We appreciate everybody hanging out with us. The goal, in my opinion, is you evaluate the roster and you say, okay, what are we losing? Was that a strength? If so, how do we replace it? But also, you want to be able to look at the negative aspects of your game and go, we need to improve that. We need to get better right there. If you let Mason walk and um, you say, okay, yeah, we're done, man. It's been a great run. We know everything you've been to the Packers organization. Uh, we're going to go with another. And and you whiff on the next kicker, you've got a mess on your hand. I mean, an absolute Big trouble. Now, some would argue, what's it matter? Because we're going forward on fourth down anyway. Hey, I'm in the camp with you. That drives me insane. I don't take the points when you can get them, right? Um, but I definitely don't want to, you know, create two negatives just because, you know, oh, well, we could just go for it on fourth down all the time. That's just silly. You know, that's absolutely silly. So I would like to see him bring Mason back. I think you go to him like some of these other guys and go, hey, what are you thinking? You know, are you cool with coming back for what you made last year, right? Um, that could be a possibility. But, again, if Rodgers retires – you're probably going to see a complete overhaul. I mean, you're going to see a lot of these guys are just going to be, hey, guys, all right, these guys are walking. This is kind of a reset, not the reset that everybody else is talking about, um, where it's just like, oh, my God, we're going to blow the whole roster up. Like, let's just wrap it up with with Aaron Jones. These people, Justin, I got to get your opinion because I feel like I'm losing my mind out here. The people who are saying you got to let Aaron Jones go, right, it's, it's time to part ways. The contract is set up to carry until he's 30 years old, right? So when he turns 30, that's the last year on his contract, right? So they obviously timed it perfectly with that 30-year-old mark. He had his statistically his best year as far as, you know, uh, total rushing yards this year, right? He's on his career averaging 5.1 yards per carry, all right? Just in reference, that is better – more productive than both Barry Sanders and Gail Sayers in yards per carry. We know how important he is in the passing game. We know what he means to the community and a high-character guy. You know what he means to the locker room. His teammates picked him as a captain, right? And now all of a sudden it's, hey, we just need to cut ties with him. His PFF grade suggests he was the best offensive player on our entire roster. Make sense, make sense of it, Justin. Why in the world – would you want to get rid of Aaron Jones other than to say, look, we made the cap look pretty. So I, I, 
sort of get where people are coming from because of of what he's owed this season, right? You're not supposed to pay running backs that much money, blah, 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 whatever. (laughs) It it is absolutely asinine, in my opinion, to not at least go to Aaron Jones and say, listen, you are legitimately our best offensive player. You can't ignore that. What are we going to do just – so go to him and talk to him and and say, you know what, we, we really want to keep you around. We want you as a part of this football team. Not only are you the best offensive player we have, you're great for the community, great for the locker room, dude, just as the whole package. I think that he more than likely would be willing to restructure. He doesn't have mm-hmm. – I, I don't know how unfair and that is. Do attack to ask. Way. Yeah, right. I don't I don't know how unfair it is to ask him to take less money, but I think he loves Green Bay. I think he loves everything about it. I think he wants to play here and he wants to stay here. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to finish his career here. Dude is showing absolutely zero reason to to make you think that he's on a decline. If anything, he's been on it on an uphill swing the whole time. Yeah, he, he gets but it seems he gets almost better with age. Granted, he's, he's going to have to decline at some point in time. But but right now. The fact that he is the best player on the offense, just because he costs money, like there, we've talked about it time and time again. You do on the pot, on your pot all the time. There is ways to crunch this cap around and make sure that he can stay. Why? Just because he costs more money, it's for a reason, right? He right. he he's the best player. What? Just because they cost money, are we just going to start getting rid of guys? Isn't I? I know they say, oh. The, everyone says that you know this is this is just a business, so that's just you know part of how the business works. Well, isn't the, the main part of business is you want to succeed, right? Exactly. So if you want to succeed, don't you want your your best players to stick around and help you succeed, or you just want to kick them out the door because they cost a little more? Makes that's no crazy, sense. Crazy man. I don't you you <laughs> you build the entire roster so you have a good football team, right? And then one of the few bright spots on offense this year was Aaron Jones. Okay, let's get rid of him. What? How, I don't understand it. But to to talk to kind of hit on what Justin was saying about the the cap numbers, his base salary is eight point one million. He's got a signing bonus of three point two and a roster bonus of seven point four. So what you could do is take that eight point one and that seven point four, and you can convert a huge chunk of that to signing bonus, which basically guarantees it for Aaron Jones. And for those of you who don't understand. A roster bonus is basically it's generally paid out at the start of a league year upon making the week one roster or as per game bonuses. Okay, so that's the bonus you get if you're on the roster week one. Aaron Jones will make seven point four million. You can take that and or the base salary and convert those to signing bonus and then spread that out over voidable years. You don't even have to restructure the voidable years because there's already two voidable years on Aaron Jones's contract. So you've seen that three years ago when this deal was done, Justin, this is what they had in mind. This is how we're going to avoid that. I have a good friend. His name's Willie, and he's a big Buffalo Bills fan. And that year in free agency, he was pushing for the Bills to sign Aaron Jones. And when I told him, hey, man, there's reports coming out that Aaron Jones is agreeing to principle with the Packers and the guaranteed money is only $24 million, whatever it was. He said, there's no way those numbers are right, Clayton. That's that's a BS account. There's no way it's right. That's what I'm seeing, dude. And he said, if that is the case, then Aaron Jones is the still of free agency this year. And it all proved to be true. And it was set up for this moment in time where they could – adjust and restructure this deal to tack it on 
the, the two voidable years, the, the skeleton of the contract's already in place. You could tell that's their fallback plan. Now, with what you said in renegotiating, I completely agree. You go to him and go, man, your cap hit this year is $20 million. You're worth every freaking penny to us, but we're up against it this year. Would you be willing to renegotiate? And I think Aaron Jones is the type of guy, and I don't even think he should. I don't think he should be expected to. And if he if he told him absolutely not, I want every dime, hey, completely understand, bub, and then you move forward with the restructure and you keep him on the roster. That's definitely how I see it. So um, good stuff, Justin. We're out of time, man. We went a little over. We always do. It's the way it always is. Always do. <laughs> but it's so fun to get on and talk ball with you. So quick recap, everybody. The way I've got it laid out as far as these free agents that we covered today that were on the Packers roster last year, tier one, um, top priority, Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Mason Crosby, Randall Cobb. Tier two, Mercedes Lewis, Yash Nijman, Jaron Reed. And then tier three, only, I mean only at the right price. They went out and tested the market. They didn't get anything. It was ice cold. Bring them back for an extremely reduced amount would be Alan Lazard and Bob Tunyon. Everyone else, you tell them, Go test the market, guys. Go see what you can get. But that's how I have the tiers graded out. Keyshawn Nixon, Rudy Ford, Mason Crosby, Randall Cobb, number one. Mercedes Lewis, Yash Nijman, Jaron Reed, number two. And then Alan Lazard, Bob Tunyon, number three at the right price. So, Justin, man, can't thank you enough, dude. It's always a blast talking ball with you, bro. Um, if you need something, you keep us posted. And everybody that's uh, listening on the pod here um, later this afternoon or uh, or whenever you're listening to it, on Monday, whenever, we really appreciate you guys hanging out, hanging out with us and making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown. young receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him. It's just press, man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.